Ephesians chapter number four in one hand and First uh, Thessalonians chapter number five in the other. Uh, we're going to talk about anger versus wrath in the Bible. And I think uh, <laughs> when I was praying about this, I think it would be appropriate because this time, this time, matter of fact, this week is the premier day and week of the year when a lot of people are angry and a lot of people make bad decisions and a lot of people uh, unleash their wrath because they lost one hour of sleep. <laughs> so I hope this is a blessing to everyone. Amen. Uh, so there's also going to be a lot of doctrine here. So, so uh, don't worry about it. But before that, let's go to the Lord in prayer so we can uh, make sure that we depend on him. Shall we? Let's pray. Father, we lift up to you everyone that's here and those that are listening and those that couldn't be here and those that couldn't listen. Father, we ask that every, in everything, everything that is said and done be said and done for your glory and honor. Father, hide me and uh, may the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up and his word. Thank you, Lord. And uh, thank you for saving us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, review from last week. Number one, is the rapture and the second coming of Christ the same event? No. They're not. The rapture is the end. The, the rapture can happen anytime soon. It may be today, amen. It may be tomorrow, but it's coming soon. It's, it's going to happen soon. It's going to be the end of the dispensation of grace wherein we are. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is seven years after the rapture. Amen. And between that, within those seven years, is what the period that we call tribulation, that we're not going to go through. Praise God for that. The other difference is the rapture. When the rapture happens, the Lord Jesus Christ comes down only to the clouds. He does not land in the earth. But when the second coming happens, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to set his feet out there in the Mount of Olives. Olives. You don't want those things to be one and the same. Why? Because for the second, right smack before the second coming happens, is the thing that they call the mother of all battles, the war to end all wars, the battle of Armageddon. We're not going through all of that. All of that things that they're discussing in the book of Revelation with the mark of the beast and things like that in the tribulation. We're not going through that. Actually, we're going to read the verse over here about the, the wrath of God, which is going to be poured during the tribulation. We're not going to go through that as the church, the body of Christ. We're going to be caught away before all of that happened. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So the rapture and the second coming of Christ are not one and the same. They're different. Number two, the reason why people confuse the two is because the Apostle Paul calls the rapture a mystery. mystery. To them, it's a mystery. So I hope to us it's not anymore. Amen. Because it's already been revealed by the Apostle Paul, by God through the Apostle Paul. Number three, we are to set our afflictions on blank. Things above and not things on this world. So now remember I prayed down there earlier that there are things that we need to worry about in this life. You know, our provision, our work, our family and things like that. But when all else goes bad, praise God that God has taken care of our biggest problem, which is our salvation. Amen. So even if things are bad, even if things are bleak, even if things are stormy, we can still look up. Praise God. 
set our affections on things above. Number four, we are to be blank. Therefore, remember, therefore be blank. Blank, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast. Amen. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now that you know, now that we know that the rapture is about to happen anytime soon, we're supposed to be steadfast. Don't be movable. You know, there's a lot of weird doctrines coming up these days. Well, not just these days. It's been happening. You know why? Because the, the devil right now is in the business of watering down doctrines. Uh, when back during the dark ages... His strategy was to burn books so you won't have to read the Bible. Now, his strategy is to saturate everything else with all kinds of books and all kinds of doctrines. So the Christian, the unsuspecting believer, is confused about what to believe. So be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We are to blank one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Are you having a hard time? Are you having problems? Are you having sorrows? Are you having a heavy heart? Praise God. Please be comforted because the rapture is about to happen. And then last but not the least, the rapture is also called our blank blessed hope. Amen. Let's not be like somebody who doesn't have any hope. Amen. All right. So I enjoyed that last week. I hope you did too, and I hope you learned. Next, uh, let's, let's go to our text. Number one is uh, the first text we have over here, and I'm going to add some to that as well. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 26, be ye, what? Angry. So in the Philippines, we actually have a saying called, pildiang maglagot. meaning quite literally translated. I'm not speaking in tongues here. Amen. <laughs> quite literally speaking. Translated, that says, that means uh, you're a loser if you are angry. And so there is, this, there is this false teaching or false thought going around these days that says, if you're un- angry, you're a loser. Or if you're angry, you're just spewing hate. Right? So you want to be careful with that word. You know, people say, no, we don't just love, or we don't, we don't want to hate, we, we want to love. But can I tell you something? God hates stuff as well. Does that mean that God sins? God is angry with some stuff as well. Does that mean that God committed sin? That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So it's, Okay to be angry about the right things as long as we don't sin. Amen? That's what the Bible says. So the question is, what are the things that you are angry about? That's the question. And when you are angry, does it cost you to sin? The Bible also says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So you see two words, anger, angry and wrath. The Bible says in verse 31, just a few verses down. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice 
and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. So question, Brother Francis, if anger and wrath is not sin, how come the Apostle Paul, how come the Bible is saying, let's, let's have all of these be taken away, be put away from you? And that's one of the things that we're going to discuss today. Let's go forward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. This is what we were talking about, and that's what they're discussing in the book of Revelation. God hath not appointed us, the church, the body of Christ, to wrath, which He's going to pour out in the tribulation. He's going to take us out of here right before that wrath happens, if you read the, the, the context of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we swake or sleep, we should live together with Him. That's why the church, the body of Christ, is predestined to the heavenly places. That's why, because we are not appointed unto this wrath. Uh, I want to show you, I want to add a couple of verses to our text as well. Like I said earlier, some people say that if you're angry, then that's hate. And that you're doing something bad. Really? Look at Psalm 7 verse 10 and 11. My defense is of God which saveth the upright in heart. Praise God. God judgeth the righteous. And God is what? Angry with the wicked every day. Right? And then last but not the least for our text, James chapter 1 verse 20. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So be careful, right? Um, by way of introduction, let me just breeze through. I have a huge list over here of what, when God's anger was kindled in the Bible. We're not going to go through the verses I listed them down here so you can copy it if you want to or I can send it to you. But we're not going to go through them. You can do that yourself if you want to. So let's talk about the instances in the Bible when God's anger was kindled. Number one is in Numbers chapter 22. Remember when Balaam went with Balak? Who's that? Do you guys remember him? Remember there was an instance in the Bible when the donkey spake. Why? Because, and that's this story actually over here. Balaam went with Balak. Balak was the king. He paid Balaam, the prophet, to curse Israel. So God is angry. Basically, just practical application here. God's anger was kindled against Balaam because he was a preacher for hire. He's willing to change his doctrine. He's willing to pronounce a curse to the highest bidder. That's not who we're supposed to be, amen? We're not supposed to be Judases who would betray what we stand for for 30 pieces of silver. We're not supposed to be Balaams who would betray what we stand for for the, high, for the highest bidder. Number two, Deuteronomy chapter number four, self-corruption due to graven images. And that's how in the Old Testament people would cut themselves just to prove to their 
idols that they are sincere. Well, our God does not need to, sh- to see what we're doing. I mean, He sees everything. But you know what? Even if we don't cut ourselves, even if we don't burn ourselves, even if we don't do anything to ourselves physically, God can see the heart. Praise God. And God is angry f- to them because of their self-corruption due to graven images. Number three, Deuteronomy chapter number six. God is angry against the people who are going after strange gods, of going after other gods. Number, number four, Second Samuel chapter number six. God is angry at disobedience due to the desire to help God. Remember when they were transporting the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and all of a sudden there was a, 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 a rock or a pothole in the road and all of a sudden the, the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall off of the, of the wagon and then there's the, there was a guy who just helped, tried to help God and pushed it back so it wouldn't fall. He, in my mind, this guy did not have evil intentions. He just did not want the Ark of the Covenant to fall. But God's rule is, is that you're not allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant if you're not a priest. And so in that instance, boom, that guy died. He was trying to help God. He had good intentions, but that is not the way of the Lord. And God's anger was kindled. How many times have we tried to help God? Amen. How many times have we tried to help the Bible? Somebody told me before that, hey, you know what? The Bible is like a lion. You don't try to defend the lion. The lion can defend itself. <laughs> Amen. What else? First Kings chapter number 11. Uh, the, God is angry. God's anger was kindled when, he, when their heart was turned from the Lord. 1 Kings chapter number 16, God is ang- God, God's anger is kindled with vanities. When people think about things that are vanity, God is angry with the wicked. We read that in Psalm chapter number 7 verse 11. N- next, Psalm 80, God is angry with the prayer of the unsaved. Can you imagine just vain repetitions thinking that they are sincere because they repeat and repeat and that their prayer is long god's anger is kindled with that ecclesiastes chapter number five the mouth that causes sin god is angry with that so those are just by way of introduction instances in the bible when god's anger was kindled another introduction what god does during his anger When God is angry, what happens? Number one, in Job chapter 9, no one can hinder him. Nobody can stop him. Amen. When God is angry, nobody can stop him. Job chapter 21, he distributeth sorrows. He distributeth sorrows when God is angry. Number three, Psalm chapter number 27, he hides his face. He puts away his servant. He forsakes the, the person, the people that he's angry with. Next, Psalm 56, he casts down. Psalm 74, he casts off. Psalm 77, he shuts up his tender mercies and forgets to be gracious. Psalm, the Jeremiah chapter number 7, he burns without quenching. And Jeremiah 42, he causes people to be in execration and an astonishment and a curse. What does that word mean, execration? That means you become a proverb. (laughs) 
you become a bad saying. <laughs> oh, he's doing a Brother Francis again. <laughs> Say, for example, I fail a lot, which I do. And then my name became a curse or a bad saying. It, was, it started to become associated with failure. Uh-oh, he's doing a Francis again. <laughs> That's what that term means. And last but not the least, he rends. Now before we go, oh sorry, jo- Jonah chapter number 3. Nobody can tell God to, re- to turn or to repent. Before we go forward, let me first say, say this. Praise God because we are in the dispensation of grace and that the Lord Jesus Christ, this is all actually going to go back full circle. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who appeased the wrath of God. That's why he's called the propitiation. That's what the word propitiation means. Amen. That means for you and I who are saved and member of the, the church, the body of Christ, we don't have to go to, we're not, not that we don't have to, we're not going to go through that wrath of God. We don't have the wrath of God in us, praise God. Because the Lord Jesus Christ took it all on him. When in, remember Isaiah 53, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. God saw the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we, we, we receive that, his, his, the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, God is satisfied. Praise God for that song earlier. That he will not, that his wrath is removed from us. So that's where we are. And if you're not saved, you might say, well, if I'm not, you know, what about the people that are not saved? They're going to go to hell. Well, that's, that's, that's not even the wrath of God. That's just the cause of your sin that you're going to hell. Amen? So, question number one, and we answered this earlier already. Is anger sin? No. And remember, we read it, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now let's go back to a verse, in, to a couple of verses in the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark. And let's see, it does not say, it does not necessarily say that Jesus Christ was angry. But let's see what happened, shall we? Mark chapter number uh, 11, verse 15 to 17. Remember this, when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the temple, it says, And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers. <laughs> Can you imagine in the pictures when the Lord Jesus Christ is depicted as somebody who is not a tough guy, somebody who's really soft and effeminate and just peace, love, and greasy hair? That's not our Lord Jesus Christ. He went in the temple. It does not, that does not say that he got angry, but he just started overturning tables and just casting everyone out of there. He said, hey, get out of here. It says, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. Does not say that he got angry, but I'm going to, this is just me. You can believe, you know, you can, you can be convinced. The Bible says, let them, every man be convinced out of his own mind, in his own mind. 
But I would probably venture out to say that he had righteous indignation during this time. Wouldn't you think? <laughs> he was angry and he kicked them all out. So if anger is sin, that means God sinned and he's no longer God. That means the Lord Jesus Christ sinned and he's no longer God. But he did not sin because anger is not sin. Next. We also answered this earlier. Is wrath sin? No. If wrath is sin, then God has sinned. Because the Bible says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. That means he has wrath as well. That means wrath cannot be sin or else God would commit sin. You with me? So it looks like they are used interchangeably in the Bible. Remember, we're trying to figure out what the difference is between anger and wrath. Colossians chapter number 3 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to what? The anger in Colossians chapter number 3. But Ephesians chapter number 6, it would say, provoke not your children to, ang- to wrath. So it looks like they're used interchangeably in the Bible. What's the difference? Are they one and the same? Kind of, but I'm glad you're all excited. Just, just don't get ahead of me here, amen? We're, get, we're getting there. <laughs> looks like they're used interchangeably, but... Oh, let me, let me put a note on here as well. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And in Ephesians chapter number 6, it says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Guess what? Who is the spiritual leader in the family? Father, it is our, fathers, it is our responsibility to make sure that we are teaching our children in the ways of the Lord. Amen. Right? It, you, you, we can, you know, praise God for preachers. Praise God for Sunday school teachers. They're, all, they're only just like supplementary people to help you. But the primary responsibility of teaching your children and your family in the ways of the Lord in the Bible is, falls on the Father. Amen. Next, they are both associated with fire. Genesis chapter number 30, verse 2. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. You know what kindle means? We know what kindle means, right? Genesis chapter number 39, verse 19. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did, they, did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. So if anger is associated with fire... And wrath is associated with fire and the kindling of fire. Can I ask, can can I submit to you? We need to be careful because fire burns and destroys. It's not sin. And I hope we're angry about the right things. But if you keep it there, and if you just keep feeding and feeding and feeding it, there's no forgiveness, there's no correction, there's no reconciliation. Guess what? It burns, it destroys, and it consumes. They are both associated with fire. They can also be both turned away. Praise God. Genesis chapter number 3, verse 27 to 45, Until thy brother's anger... Turn away from thee, and to be and 
and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. As you can see, that anger can be turned away. And Numbers chapter number 25, verse 11, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, had turned away, turned my wrath away from the children of Israel. So, anger and wrath can be both turned away. Next, you can also be provoked. Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse 25, to provoke him to anger towards the last part of that. Deuteronomy chapter number 9, verse 7. Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath. So it seems like they can be used interchangeably and they have similarities. What is the difference then? I'm glad you asked. While they can both be associated with fire, while they can both be turned away, while they can both be provoked, only wrath, actually, there's a typographical error there. Only wrath can be executed. Romans 13 verse 4, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God and revenger to execute wrath upon, the, upon him that doeth evil. So, Wrath can be executed. Can anger be executed? I looked all over the Bible. I couldn't find a verse. Wrath can be, wrath can be shown. Can anger be shown? I looked over the Bible. I couldn't find anything. Romans chapter 9 verse 22 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth which with much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. So can you see where we're going to here? They can be used interchangeably in the Bible. They can, you know, you can, use, you, can, you can provoke somebody to both wrath and anger. You can turn both wrath and anger away. They're both associated with fire, but only wrath can be executed. Only wrath can be shown. And only wrath can be revealed. Again, typographical error, miss, I kind of mixed them all together. Romans 1.16, for the wrath of God is what? Revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Right? And then last over here, wrath can be stored in cups and vials and be poured, up, poured out. Revelation chapter number 16. Oops, sorry. Revelation chapter number 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. In other words, wrath can somewhat be measured. Anger cannot. What? How can that happen? Because in the Bible... Actually, in reality, in life, anger is the emotion inside of us, while wrath is the manifestation of that anger. Can you measure anger, which is an emotion, which, is, which cannot be seen because it's inside of you, it's in your heart, but you can measure wrath, the actions that you do because of that anger. People's revenge are, are born out of 
the wrath that was first inflicted upon them. They measure it. They plan it. They, they're, because they're angry, they plan what they're going to do with their wrath. Their plan, how they're going to respond. They have recipes of what to do. That's the wrath. Amen? Anger is what's inside and wrath is what's outside. Anger, if you will, just an illustration, anger is like, is like the headache inside. But wrath is the bad attitude that we have caused by that headache. Can you see that? You know, when you have a headache, say for example, or a migraine, and it's a wonderful day outside, nobody can see that you have a headache. Nobody can see that you have a migraine, but they can see that you're just, I hate this day. I hate everyone. That's the wrath, if you will. So even if anger, that answered the question, amen? Even if anger is not sin, even if wrath is not sin. The Apostle Paul warns us about our wrath, about our wrath. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 19 to 20, he says again, Think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found, uh, that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whispering, swellings, and tumults. And the Apostle Paul is saying, be careful, dearly beloved, what we're supposed to do in the church, we're supposed to edify each other. Amen? So, he's, the Bible said, we've already read, wrath is not a sin, anger is not a sin, but if we're not careful, it burns us, it destroys us, and so much so that we may not be doing things that are edifying anymore. I'll, I'll, ju I'll just use this as an example. When I was in Bible college, <laughs> everyone thought, especially the freshmen, Everyone thought that they've arrived, including myself. I'll be the first to confess. And then, you know, there's definitely competitions. You know, like, oh, I can preach a better message than him. Oh, I can sing a better special solo than him or than her. And guess what? When the motivation of singing and preaching is supposed to be edifying the people... It's not that anymore, is it? It's competition. It's because of your wrath towards that other guy that you're envious of. And the Apostle Paul is saying, it's not a sin, but be careful because that may be what you're doing. That may be your motivation instead of edifying somebody. You with me? Next. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 3. Among whom also... We all had our conversation in times past. Praise God, we're not there anymore. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, when you're, you know, naturally, that's why it says that by nature the children of wrath. 
By nature, children are supposed to be loyal to their parents, right? By nature, children are... I remember, you know, and I'd, please, this is just like good family talk here, okay? So I'm not trying to be irreverent or anything like that or crass or embarrassing. Uh, this just happened yesterday, actually. I have a little boy. His name's Bergen, of course. And then I just leaned over to just give my wife, Miss Katie, a kiss in the cheek. And then the first time in our lives, it's kind of, you know, weird, but also, I guess, cute in, in the same time, that he just became jealous of me kissing his mother. And I imagine that's a natural thing, right? And he's just like, you know, just playfully, just like pushing me away and then like just yelling and complaining and things like that. Because by nature, children are supposed to be protective or loyal to their parents. And the Bible says by nature, Gentiles, us, before we got saved, in times past, we are children of wrath. And so people naturally would be loyal to their parent, wrath, would be protective of their parent. What do you mean, Brother Francis? Have you ever heard people, Christians, say, and I've said this before, I'd be the first one to, to confess. Have you ever heard somebody say, Oh, brother, you wouldn't want to see me angry. Oh, you wouldn't want to see, see my wrath. Have you seen that? Have you heard that before? I've even, like I said, I'd be the first to confess. I'd say that. I've said that before. Why? Because that's our natural tendency as before, children of wrath. But we are not the children of wrath anymore. Amen? So we shouldn't be reveling or excited or proud about how angry we can be or what we can do in our anger, which is the wrath, right? Next, are you still with me? And we read this already before. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Like we said, it's not sin. As long as you're right, you're angry about the right things. As long as you're Wrath is about the right things. But sometimes it's not our place to do something about our anger. We're angry about the crime that's going on, but we're not the police. It's not our place to do something about it. We're not vigilantes. Amen. We're, not, we're angry about something, but it's not our place to say anything about it. We can pray about it. So, so the Bible, basically what we're trying to say here, the Bible is saying, it's not sin. But be careful because anger is like fire that it can destroy. Anger, wrath is like fire that it can consume. So if I were you, Father, let me submit, the Bible says, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Next, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Praise God, we're not going to go through that wrath. Praise God, we're not going to go through that tribulation. Amen. Next. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. So, when we pray, it's sort of the same like we said earlier. What is your motivation when you pray? When you pray, do you have wrath or 
What? Do you have anger in your heart? Be careful. And I'm sure you know this poem before. Uh, I remember memorizing this poem in, when I was in high school in the Philippines. It's a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Don't agree with everything that he says, or, or, but that's not the point here. The point is his poem. It's called The Arrow and the Song. It says, I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth I knew not where. For so swiftly it flew the sight could not follow it in its flight. I breathed a song into the air. It fell to earth I knew not where. For who has sight so keen and strong that it can follow the flight of a song? Long, long afterward in an oak, I found the arrow still unbroke. And the song from beginning to end, I found again in the heart of a friend. So I remember when I was in high school, I tried to figure out, what does that poem mean? It means the arrow represents your anger and your wrath. And when you release it, sometimes it's so fast, you cannot take it back. And he says later on, long, long afterward in an oak, I found the arrow still unbroke. The damage that you, your anger and your wrath has done is still there. It cannot be reversed. And then the song, it says, I breathe the song into the air. It fell to earth. I knew not where. For who has sight so keen and strong that it can follow the flight of the song? The song represents the kindness, the, the uh, edification that you bring to a friend. And it says, and the song from beginning to end, I found again in the heart of a friend. Maybe some of us are holding on to grudge or to anger that we need to let go. Maybe there are people that we need to forgive. And maybe we, we have people that, families that we need to re reconnect with. Maybe we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we need to reach out to and say, Hey, I've done this and you've done, or you, I've thought, thought about this uh, about you. And maybe we need to reconnect with them. Be careful with that wrath and anger. Amen. Last but not the least, Jesus endured God's wrath for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 3, verse 24 to 25, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, praise God, whom God had sent set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The word propitiation means the act of appeasing wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not saved today, if you are not saved whether in this room or out in internet land, the Lord Jesus Christ endured God's wrath about 2,000 plus years in the cross of Calvary. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That means he became sin for us who knew no sin when he was in that cross of Calvary. That his own father had to cast him aside and turn away from him because he could not be associated with sin. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, endured God's wrath so we do not have to, praise God.
No, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. His death, burial, and resurrection. If the gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You need to trust that that death, burial, and resurrection is enough. It's the one, the correct work, the proper work, the right work that can save you. None of our work can save us. Only what the Lord Jesus Christ did, His finished work can save us. He suffered God's wrath, so you do not have to. Christian, you, maybe you have anger, and it's displaying your wrath. Be careful. First off, you want, you want to be sure that you're angry about the right things. Second, are you the right person? Is it your place to display that wrath? Be careful. Is your anger consuming you? Be careful. If you're not a Christian, you need to be a Christian. You need to be saved because Jesus Christ has endured God's wrath for us. How about that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us with our heart and our anger and our wrath. We pray that we would put it away and be wise about it, dear Father. And if there's somebody here who is not saved, we ask, dear, love, dear Lord, that, that today is the day that they would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we pray all these.